Our um, transformational worship theme this month is cultivating relationship. And as I was writing this uh, homily, I, I realized how much I have um, appreciated and learned as I have watched how you have related to each other in this community. And, and some of that is how you relate to each other as a congregation. And some of it is watching you um, in relationship one-on-one. -on -one. And those of you who have been in, um, in uh, significant other types of relationship. And so I wanna just share some appreciation to all of you for how you are in this world. Uh, I first heard the term holy relationship when someone was speaking about a course in miracles. And later I picked up the workbook and spent the next year completing the lessons for each day. And um, I'm going to spare you those, uh, those details, but basically they talk about the difference between a special relationship, which says that we can find uh, inner peace from something outside our, from a relationship outside us and a holy relationship, which, um, which helps us understand that we're not separate from, from God or from the universe or from each other. And so I'm not necessarily recommending the A Course in, Miracle, um, a Course in Miracles for you, but, um, or I'm not not recommending it either, but I would say that the idea of the holy relationships really intrigued intrigued me. That those relationships were were about truth in the relationship, and that we recognize that oneness that we have with God, with the universe, with each other, and with all that is. And to me, that speaks to a covenantal relationship. It's about how we are in relationship with each other, with the universe or with God or with all that is. Unitarian Universalists describe our faith as a covenantal faith. And here at UU Loudon, we recite what we call our covenant nearly every Sunday. Love is the spirit of this church, etc. We also have a covenant of loving relations that each person agrees to follow when they become a member. Both of these covenants are actual and they're aspirational. The governing board has a covenant on its own. Each of the journey groups has a covenant. The children's classes and the youth group have a covenant that they agree to at the beginning of the year. We make wedding vows with each other. We hold a baby in our arms and we pledge to do everything that we can to take care of them. We make these promises to each other, we say. And we're bound at times to break these promises, if not by our own choice, then by some external circumstance or by our own human failings and flaws, our own human nature. We are a promise-making, promise-keeping, promise-breaking people. This is true in congregational life, in the public sphere, and in our personal lives. Well, Dr. John Gottman, a marriage specialist, has written about the four horsemen of the marital apocalypse. And then the four horsemen of the apocalypse is a metaphor that comes from the, um, it depicts the end times in the New Testament. And um, he uses the metaphor of that, that to describe some communication styles that according to his research can predict the end of a relationship. 
So I want to offer these as a cautionary tale, both for you who are in relationships and not just significant other, but just all of us in relationship with each other as a congregation and uh, in our workplaces and out in the world. The first horseman or the first communication style is criticism. We aren't, we aren't talking about just a complaint here. Like, I was scared when you weren't home on time. I thought we'd agreed that we'd call each other if we were going to be late. That's a, that's a complaint. Criticism uses a lot of you statements. You did this. You said that. You're this way. Or if you're talking about someone else, then it's he did this or she said that. And, it, and if we're in that pattern of criticizing, we don't have to, like, don't assume the relationship is doomed to fail. The problem is that when criticism becomes pervasive, so it just paves the way for the other far deadlier horsemen to follow. Criticism makes the other person feel assaulted and rejected and hurt. And it often causes both people in relation in the relationship to fall into an escalating pattern where the first horseman it reappears with greater and greater frequency and intensity so criticism just it just gets hard not to do it and the greater the frequency and intensity of the criticism can then lead to the second horseman of the <clears throat> of the marital apocalypse or the relationship apocalypse which is contempt when we treat someone with contempt, we're truly mean. We treat other people with disrespect. We mock them with sarcasm and ridicule and name calling is often involved. And we have a tendency maybe to roll our eyes and scoff. And the result of that contempt is that people, the people or the person that we're directing it toward feel despised and worthless. And it assumes a position of moral superiority over others. I'll be talking about that next week. So think about this for a moment. Maybe it's familiar to you. Maybe you've done it or experienced it. Or maybe you just feel contempt for others. Maybe you feel contempt for yourself. Research shows that couples that are contemptuous of each other are more likely to suffer from colds and flu due to weakened, weakened immune systems. Long simmering negative thoughts about the partner is, is fuel for contempt. And contempt in a relationship is the single greatest predictor of divorce. For any relationship to survive, let alone thrive, Contempt has to be eliminated. I think about this not just in relation to couples, but for me personally, how I think about the other, meaning not just other people, that, but those that I perceive with different values, different priorities. Specifically, I think about those who have shown up at the recent school board meetings. I really had to look at that. The third and fourth horsemen of, the, of this are in response to the first two. So criticism and contempt each have a response horseman. Defensiveness is the third horseman, and it's typically the response to criticism. Uh, 
And in response to criticism, we get defensive and, and, and we try to reverse blame in, a, in an attempt to make it the other person's fault. But our excuses just tell the partner that we don't take their concerns seriously and that we won't take responsibility for our mistakes. And then the fourth horseman in response to contempt usually is stonewalling. We just withdraw from interacting. We shut down, we stop responding, we tune out, we turn away, we act busy, or we engage in obsessive or distracting behaviors. Fortunately, there are antidotes for each of these behaviors. We can talk about our feelings using I statements instead of you statements. We can remind ourselves of our partner's positive qualities and find our gratitude. And we can take responsibility for our own actions. And we can take a break and give ourselves some time to calm and soothe ourselves so that we can engage. But not engaging is not really an option for healthy relationships. I believe that these four horsemen, or perhaps I should say the caution of them, applies not just to our significant relationships like spouses and partners and children and our parents, but also to our congregational relationships. And not just to our congregational relationships either, but beyond that, into our interactions with and how we move in and through every other part of our lives. It could make us better humans to guard against harsh criticism and contempt, to practice ways to take responsibility and learn effective ways to communicate. And these practices, like all good spiritual practices, help us live out the change and transformation that we experience. UU Minister Mark Morrison Reed writes, the central task of the religious community is to unveil the bonds that bind each to all. There's a connectedness, a relationship discovered amidst the particulars of our own lives and the lives of others. Once felt, it inspires us to act for justice. It is the church that assures us that we are not struggling for justice on our own, but as members of a larger community. The religious community is essential. For alone, our vision is too narrow to see all that must be seen and our strength too limited to do all that must be done. Together, our vision widens and our strength is renewed. I think about that covenant triangle and how our spiritual lives are between us as individuals and our core values. But the other part of that triangle, our religious lives, as much as we may re be resistant to that word, is about our core values and, and the we of our community and how important it is. And that then that the community connects us as individuals with this larger group and that we're held together by covenant. Simply the promises that we make together about how to live out our core values. And we'll be looking in the next couple of years to get clear on what 
are the core values that we hold as a religious community. Those promises that hold together the spiritual, the religious, and the community. There's a story about a mystic who by certain circumstances found himself in front of two doors. He opened the one door that was marked hell. And in the middle of the room was a very large round table. And in the middle of the very large round table was a large bowl of delicious food, more than enough to feed all the people seated around the table. But the people around the table were emaciated and sickly and moaning in hunger and pain. Attached to their hands were spoons, long spoons, long enough to easily reach the bowl of food in the middle of the table. But the spoons were so long that they could not get the food into their mouths. The mystic was horrified and closed the door that was surely hell and opened the next door marked heaven. In this room, it was a very similar situation. The same setup, a large round table with a large bowl of delicious food in the center and people seated around the table, again, with long spoons attached to their hands. But in the room marked heaven, the people were happy and talking with each other and they looked healthy and they were sated with abundance. They had learned to use the spoons to feed each other. We become more awake, alive, and whole through relationships of trust, compassion, and mutual accountability. In this community, we hold one another to our promises, but we also extend to each other a love that forgives mistakes and failures and invites us to begin again. We are a community of covenant. May knowing how to nourish and heal each other be one of our core values. May we commit to live in holy relationship while tending the flame of love and justice. May we be willing to be transformed by our values May we understand that community is all of us, not just those who are part of this congregation. May we commit to feed one another and understand how deeply we need one another. Blessed be and amen.